Hello, thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films Podcast. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who will ride the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. You can find us on at Theme Park Films on Twitter. Oh, and just one more thing. If you are driving whilst listening to this podcast, please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Theme Park Films Podcast. I'm Carla and this is Holly. Hello. And this week is very exciting as we are reviewing my favourite ever film, Back to the Future, which was released on the 3rd of July 1985 in the USA and in the UK on the 4th of December 1985. But just before we start on that, we're going to talk briefly about The Ride, um, which was in Universal Studios Orlando. It opened on the 1st of May 1990, and it closed on the 30th of March 2007 to be replaced by The Simpsons. And if you want to know what I think about that, go and listen to The Simpsons episode. It's not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) So... Your memories of the ride? Do you remember going on it? Yeah, I do remember going on it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I thought it was quite good because I continue to like The Simpsons right. ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was good. So it was um, the whole premise of it was that you were volunteer time travellers that were supposed to be helping Doc Brown out by going um one day into the future and then Biff comes along and manages to take over, steals the car in front of us and we have to chase after him. And it takes you through Hill Valley in two thousand fifteen, through to the Ice Age, dinosaurs, all sorts of stuff. And it was a yeah, it was quite a fun ride. Had a lot of warnings on it. I remember I had to take some travel sick tablets before going on. Well, I mean, when you got on, did you realise it was needed or? No, I, I saw all the warnings. I'm not a good traveller. And to be honest, if it hadn't have been Back to the Future, there's no way in hell I would have got on it with that amount of warnings that it used to have outside of it. I mean, it was ridiculous. Well, I, I didn't even know people read the warnings. I read the warnings very <laughs> carefully. Oh, right. OK. And I say appropriate action with my travel sick tablets that I carry with me, should should I need to. And I mean, was it worth it? Yes. Well, that's all that matters. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really remember it. That like, I, Obviously, I remember it, but not really, really well. Like, in my head, I just keep seeing The Simpsons. Sorry. Um... But I think the whole thing of that ride, well, yeah, like the simulator stuff is really good. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like the ride. I, I don't remember if it had a shop or anything. Probably not, would it? Well, let me tell you. Okay. It, had, it had a shop and I used to literally, it was such a small shop. It was probably like half the size of my living room 
But are you going to you're going to need to give a context for that because not everyone listening would have been to your living. Are they not? <laughs> or maybe, maybe actually. I can't imagine we've got many people listening outside of immediate friends and family. <laughs> and average, it's probably the equivalent of I don't know what other shop is in it. The Terminator shop, let's say. Okay. You've ne- you're thinking that I've never been in the Terminator <laughs> shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Okay. <laughs> the Twister shop. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Very small. But I used to spend, oh, hours on end just looking at the amount of stuff. And I think I probably bought one of everything over the years from the shop. I just loved it. And what sort of things can you, would you buy in there? There were, like, little DeLoreans to buy and uh, T-shirts and number plates with out of time written on them, caps. But, yeah, loads of stuff. I remember um, when I was younger, my mum and dad just used to leave me in there and they'd go off and do something else and then come back, like, half an hour later because, you know, I think they thought I was a bit odd. Mm, probably was sick of it. Yeah. And the car's always been there, has it? Yeah, so uh, sometimes you get Doc standing out there, a Doc lookalike, so that's pretty cool, because he, he genuinely, whoever they get does look like him, so you can have your picture taken with Doc. So, yeah, the DeLorean's always been in and around, and it's still there now, even though uh, the ride has gone, and often the train is out as well um, in recent times, which is from the third part, which I know you haven't seen yet, but... Yeah, I was going to be like, oh, gosh, I didn't watch this film very well. I don't remember train. Frantically going through your notes thinking, oh, no, she's going to stop talking about a train. Yeah. Uh, the train was in the third one, which right. we may or may not watch. I, I won't make you because I fear if I make you watch two and three, you'll make me watch more Harry Potter. So yeah, I'm there's, a, there's a lot more of Harry Potter, so be careful. Yeah, I'm I'm going to tread very carefully with Back to the Future. And unless you really loved it, I shan't be suggesting that we watch any more of them. Okay. So, <clears throat> on to the film. Uh, I saw it in 1985 when it came out, the end of, uh, on, as usual for the 80s, pirate video. Although I have seen it since in the cinema when they've released it for... 20th anniversaries, 25th, etc. And I saw parts two and three at the cinema. And I was trying to work out how many times I've watched this film. And I was thinking that when I had it on video, I used to watch it after school at least three times a week. Just get in from school, put it straight on and watch it all the way through. For about two to three years, I did that consistently. Even now, I I don't think a year goes by where I don't watch it at least once. Still a big fan. Yeah, I just, I I don't think it's possible for me to tire of this film. When I watch it, I'm literally saying the script along with them. And what's the, you know, obviously, so was it last year? Was it last year where it was like the big thing of Back to the Future? It was 2015. So... That was big because in the second part, that's where they travel to. So they travel to the future. And I think that was the year. So it must have been 
so last year was it last year which was the 20th when was the 20th anniversary or whatever it was 25th or whatever it was the 30th in 2015 oh right so maybe that's when i think they pepsi in the u.s um did pepsi free yes they bought it out as a uh, a nod because they were hugely involved in the film i mean there's so much product placement in that film for pepsi it's crazy yeah i remember i remember reading that well you would do little nod to people that know us oh no one else is going to know what i'm talking about are they <laughs> um yeah and obviously that the car now has become very very expensive to rebuy hasn't it it's my ambition that if i ever won the lottery i would have a delorean in my living room i mean Literally, this is my problem with the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that somebody like you would win it and absolutely waste your money. But it wouldn't be a waste because I would sit in it and watch... Oh, watching the film. Yeah, I would just sit in it, watch TV. I wouldn't, you know, I'd get rid of like, you know, my Fessy or whatever. And I would just sit in my DeLorean, my flux capacitor next to me and watch the TV. Have a Pepsi free while you're there? Definitely not. Not allowed to do that for reasons we won't go into. Oh, another mysterious comment. <laughs> People will be trying to Google us. What do they mean? What are all these references to drinks? <laughs> um so I would be enjoying a Diet Coke or a Coke Zero Sugar whilst I'm watching it. And, yeah, I just can't think of anything better than owning a DeLorean. It's it's the dream. I don't think there's many people that wouldn't want to own one. I wouldn't. So have you? did you see the film previously to when you had to watch it for this? Yes, I think I have seen it, but I don't. I don't really remember it that well mm-hmm. but the only thing I remember is obviously she when she's like she calls him Calvin Klein because because mm. of his underwear yeah um, okay for some reason that <laughs> that resonated okay um but yeah I was I you know I was quite excited about watching it I was to begin with I was like well, I didn't really get whether they were going to be going back in time or mm. into the future yeah. It kind of threw me a bit. The title threw you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we start off the film in uh, Doc Brown's apartment and you see the news channel talking about missing plutonium. And you also, and I'm not going to point out all of the million and one Easter eggs in this film because. Someone else will do it way better and it will take up too much time and bore you to death. But one of the many clocks shows um, a man hanging off of one of the clocks, which was a nod to the end of the film. It was a Harold Lloyd thing um, who was a, a silent film star and he hung off of a clock face. And that is one of the clocks that is shown 
at the start in Doc's apartment. You don't have to comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing I to say. I don't have got nothing to say. And as I said, I won't be putting too many of those in for that reason. Silence. Uh, so Marty goes in to use the guitar amp. And I don't, I, I really don't have any issues with this film because I adore it. But I do wonder often how Doc and Marty met. Well, I, I thought that. Like, how did they get this friendship going? Mm. Also, I thought the, the intro was very, very long. Um, and when he did that, I just thought if, if that, if you did that with the guitar and that amp, and you've done all that damage, I would have thought that your eardrums would have burst. <laughs> I'm not sure... He but he would kind have of been... just... He just sort of shrugged it off and then could take a phone call. Like, your ears would have... Been, you'd have been like, I'm sorry, I cannot hear anything. Like, <laughs> my ears are ringing. I think, you know, you probably would have been sick. I don't know. Like, you know, I think there would have been more of a reaction. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd agree that's probably not... Not very realistic, but I don't think anyone wants to see him go deaf and throw up. No. Also, I, and I did write down, I was like, I don't really get, like, what is he getting out of helping this doctor? Well, I don't know. And this is the, you know, it's not ever really touched on, but I just guess maybe he just thinks he's quite cool. And maybe because he's got the guitar amp, it might, you know entice him to go round there and hang out with him because he doesn't seem particularly a misfit marty at school i mean he's got a girlfriend he's in a band he doesn't seem like the kind of teenager that needs to hang out with an old quirky man and also it's like when we obviously meet his family it shocks me that his family wouldn't be a bit like what where do you keep going and why do you keep hanging out with this old man yeah i wonder if again this is um, a time thing that maybe nowadays you would do that. Maybe at the time it wouldn't have been even thought about, to be honest. I don't know. It might have been better if they'd made Doc his uncle. Yeah, so there's a relevance there. Yeah, there's a bit more, there's a reason why he would be hanging out there, but it's never explained. There's a few fan theories which I'm not going to go into because most of them are quite frankly bonkers. But <laughs> Um, but yeah we, we, we don't know but and I agree it's quite a long intro but when it starts when it kicks into when he says damn I'm late for school and then he rushes out and the power of love comes on by Huey Lewis and the news and then he skateboards on the back of that truck I think that's the coolest thing I've ever seen it's a great song and it's played a lot Rightly so. <laughs> um, I mean, I I was quite a spoiled child, so I, I pretty much had, if I wanted something, I, I pretty much got what I wanted without sounding awful. But my mum and dad refused point blank to buy me a skateboard, and it was because of this film, because they knew that I would be, I would get run over. I would try to hang off the back of a car. And we don't have the same sort of cars in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't have the pickups. We don't you know, it just wouldn't feel quite the same as sort of like hanging on to a Nissan Sunny, would it? <laughs> Trying to grasp on <laughs> I mean the fact that I don't think you could probably even get 
a foot down the road on the skateboard I, you know safely I think you'd probably fall off and and then to try and run along and get you know a car to help you drive off or you'd end up holding on and they'd start going like 60 or something and it would just yeah. end in tears yeah it really would I'm not the most steady footed person uh so it was a wise choice but I remember being very upset because I really wanted to and, I, and there's part of me that still wants to do it that is probably something else I will do if I win the lottery, that I'll just get someone to drive a pickup truck around my ground and that I will hang off the back while I was playing Huey Lewis and the News. So as he's going along, there are a couple of nods that, that come up later on in the film. Um, like you see uh, the mayor, Goldie Wilson, is doing his campaign, which, of course, then comes up again later on once he goes back to 1955. And then we see him have an audition for um, some school rock band. And just another little nod, because this is, this is a good one, that the person that, was, that got up and said, I'm sorry, you're just too darn loud, was Huey Lewis, the singer from Huey Lewis and the News. Oh, right. I can see that has interested you. <laughs> yeah. And you can't wait to get off this and go and tell Adam. I can just tell. Um, so then we see them outside the, the clock tower and um, they've got to save the clock tower. This woman's going on because it got struck by lightning in 1955. It's all quite a convenient setup for what's about to come, isn't it? It is, because really, like, you know, me and Adam watched this together and, and we both commented that surely the cost of a clock wouldn't, wouldn't be a lot. Surely you could just get the local handyman up there. <laughs> I'm going to get someone like, you know, being like, actually, a, cost, a, a clock like that costs a lot of money to fix. If anyone on Twitter wants to complain about Holly and a rubbish clock knowledge, please get in touch. Um, so then we cut to uh, Marty at home and we see George McFly for the first time and Biff the bully you don't want to talk about that I thought you wanted to say something about George yeah I, I know you're not going to like this and I don't know other people probably won't either I found George absolutely awful mm-hmm he was just the most annoying person ever. See, I'm not reacting because you've already texted me this. So I've had a few days of punching walls and screaming why and uh, a few counselling sessions to deal with. Them. So I'm just going to let it go. But I would say George McFly was the heart of this film. The one that you root for. No, not, not me. Not you. And actually, do you know what it? Do you know what it really highlighted to me? Hmm. Was a bit like, actually, the bullies come out on top. Well, not at the end. No, because he has to get his son to go back and intervene with his whole life. But if George had been left to his own devices, which he was done originally. Yeah, nothing, nothing changed, did it? No, but I think that he had the potential in him as proof, as proven, and he just, you know, it's quite sweet that actually it was his son that that showed him his potential. So then we see his mum, 
who incidentally, Leah Thompson, who is now older in real life than she was there, looks fantastic. She looks nothing like what they predicted she would look like. So that's good news for a start. Um, I'm going to Google her now. Oh, God, yeah. Very, very good. She does. Yeah. Right, I'll stop looking at pictures of her. Back to the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought the family looked very odd. But obviously now we know like they, that was the whole point of it, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they're all quite um, loserish. Other than Marty, he wasn't really. Uh, he had a few confident issue, confidence issues. But other than that, he didn't really fit the mould of the rest of the family, did he? No. Um, which was interesting, because why wouldn't he? He should really be of the same mindset as the rest of them, you would think. But anyway, you hear uh, Lorraine saying that Uncle Joey didn't make it out of prison again, which again is another set up for what's to come a little bit later on, just a bit of a joke later. And Lorraine is horrified by Marty's sister talking about boys and saying that she never chased boys or sat in a parked car with a boy. Lies. Uh, and then we also learn that, that how um, her and George met was because uh, Grandpa hit him with the car. And they say, what was he doing in the middle of the street? And he says, uh, bird watching. Mm. Which, is bird watching. Which, again... It all sets up. It's so well written. It sets up for later on. Yeah, little do we, and little do we know that really George is just a pervert. Well, he was bird watching, but a different, a different, <laughs> different kind of bird, I think. So then we see um, Marty go out in the middle of the night to Twin Pines Mall, which again is another little um, nod that it's called Twins Pine, Twin Pines Mall where Doc explains it was owned by old man Peabody who had a fetish for breeding pine trees. And once Marty actually goes back to 1955, he runs over a, um, a pine tree. And when you go back at the end, it's called Lone Pines Mall. Is it? I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. I'll try not to do any more of those, although you did sound more excited about that one than, than the other two. So that's good. Is it, can somebody be called to have a fetish of something, though, when they've only managed to grow two trees? <laughs> yeah, maybe they could have made it more trees. Dozen Pines Mall could have gone to Lone Pines Mall, maybe. Anyway, we're skipping ahead. So um, um, Marty goes with his video camera to film an experiment for Doc. And Doc basically shows him that he's built a time machine. We see the car going back with Einstein in it and then coming back one minute after. And, of course, the iconic scene where the flames just go between their legs and the car disappears. Yeah, and on that bit, didn't you? Th- I just thought it was a bit It was a bit strange. So, obviously, I, I know that, you know, he's got faith in himself and, you know, they might have thought it was going to happen. But... I don't know at any point, even if I knew, even if I was 99% sure, that I would stand in the middle of the car coming at me at 80 miles an hour. Well, the flames themselves could have been very dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. They must have had singed ankles. Yeah. (laughs) 
let alone the fact that the car, if it didn't work, would have killed them. Yeah. So then uh, Doc starts to show him the machine and he just randomly types in uh, 5th of November 1955 because he says that's the day he invented time travel, that the idea of the flux capacitor came into his head. Now, what I did think was interesting was obviously the 5th of November here is a big date because it's firework night, it's, it's Guy Fawkes night, it's bonfire night, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I wonder that that never, I know they don't have that in America, but that, that never resonated, that no one at any point pointed out maybe change the date, because in England that's quite a big date itself, isn't it? Yeah, I just don't think they would have given a sh- to be quite honest. <laughs> Another bleep I've got to find now. <laughs> uh, so he explains that um, basically he needs to create 121, uh, sorry, 1.21 gigawatts of electricity, which he can only do with plutonium which he has um, stolen off some Libyans. They asked him to build him a bomb, which um, he didn't do. He gave them a a faulty bomb and used the plutonium for the time machine instead, which was risky. Very. And comes back to, to haunt him because the Libyans then come round the corner as you pointed out, you found it quite amusing that they were in a camper van. <laughs> I mean, uh, <coughs> I mean, I've you know seen quite a few gangster films throughout you know the years based in different eras, and this is the first one I've ever seen where they were in a VW camper van. <laughs> it wasn't the most menacing. Anyway, they shoot Doc and Marty gets in the car to to get away from them, basically. And then he says, let's see if you, Beeps, can do 90. And then obviously he goes past 88 miles an hour, shoots into the future and finds himself on old man Peabody's farm. Crashed into the barn. Yeah. And he doesn't realise at first what's happening. He's wearing a radiation suit, which was obviously through um, being near the plutonium. So when he gets out of the car, the Peabody's think he's an alien. He's a Martian from out space and try to shoot at him. That's when he drives off and knocks over one of the pine trees. Because he doesn't take his hood off. No. Doesn't help himself. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> So he leaves the, he, he basically, he thinks he knows what's happening or has a rough idea. He leaves the car hidden and walks into Hill Valley, picks up a newspaper and sees the date on it. But also, can I just say, like, before this, he, he obviously, like, he has gone back in time. The shopping centre isn't there. He goes, I think, to go and hide the car, doesn't he, where his house is meant to be as well. Yeah. hides it behind the sign and stuff but the one thing that really resonates to him of that he's actually legitimately gone back in time is that the clock in the square is working (laughs) that's the one bit where he you know he seems to be a bit like oh i'm back in time and it's like what what the fact that your house isn't built isn't enough for you 
but we've got to rely on the clock. <laughs> and he was in a time machine. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he just woke up and it was like, what's going on? Yeah. He knew. He saw the dog go back. Yeah. I think um, we have to remember that he's supposed to be 17 in this. Obviously, Michael J. Fox was a bit older at the time. I think he was about 24 when he played it. But he is supposed to be a 17-year-old boy. Yeah. So I think we have to give him some kind of concession. <laughs> well, he's he's still, you know, he's still an adult, really. Mm, okay. <laughs> so um, he goes into uh, a cafe. I wouldn't call it a cafe. A diner? Yes, thank you. A diner, okay. I think a cafe, if someone doesn't watch the film, gives a different vibe. Okay. I'm getting mixed up because in the next film it turns into a cafe. So in 2015 it's a cafe. So, okay, at this point it's a diner. Um, And he uses the phone to um, ring Doc. No answer. So then we have... um, I, I thought it was quite a fun piece with him and the um, the guy that runs the diner when he asks for a, a Pepsi free. He doesn't know what he's talking about, obviously, so he says, give me something about sugar, and he gives him a cup of tea or coffee. I, I thought, I thought it, was it was coffee. It reminds me of you. It's in America. It's bound to be coffee, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, I thought that was that was quite amusing. He was wearing a body warmer, as they were called back then, and he thinks he's wearing a life preserver. Quite. <laughs> yeah. And also in this, he goes and sits like right next to his what? Well, at the time, just a, what we know to be a young man. Yeah. The rest of the diner is completely empty. Yet he decides to give no personal space and sit down next to this person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in England, this would never have happened because, you know, there is literally nothing that will make you sit next to a stranger no. in this country. It just wouldn't happen. <laughs> You'd sit the furthest place away. Yeah, you always try and go as far away as any other living being. Or at least about four four seats away. Yeah. You know, like you could have sat at the counter, but leave, okay, at least one seat in between. And leave a gap. Yeah. Maybe it's American, or maybe it was just a setup for the film. I don't know. But then we realise that the guy sitting next to him, because Biff walks in and says, "Hey, McFly," and they both turn round. Yeah. And he realises with horror that um, George is being bullied by Biff again, but obviously a very young Biff and a very young George. So obviously he's staring at him, and then um, Goldie who is one of the sales assistants, I guess you'd call him. I don't know if he was cleaning the floor or wiping the tables or what he was doing, but he gives a speech about how George needs to stand up for himself. And Marty says, that's right, he's going to be mayor to Goldie. And that's supposed to obviously set the seed for later on. In 1985, he is the mayor of Hill Valley. He is. So Marty chases George, finds him up a tree, and discovers that his father's a peeping Tom. Yeah. And George falls into the road, and out of instinct, Marty pushes him out the way, and history is immediately changed. Yeah, because then it goes to a bit of a weird 
<laughs> sort of turn, I guess, uh, where we meet the mum and she suddenly sort of is a bit in lust with, uh, with her son. Yeah, I mean, I must admit that when you're actually discussing it in depth, you realise that maybe, you know, it's a little weird. So, yeah, he wakes up in Lorraine's house, which was obviously supposed to be George waking up in Lorraine's house. And she's been looking at his underwear. She thinks his name's Calvin Klein because of his underwear. And she quite clearly fancies him. It's very uncomfortable. Especially at dinner. Yeah. So they go down and, and have dinner. There's the, 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 the joke that pays off about Uncle Joey won't get out of his playpen. And um, Marty says, you better get used to these bars. Yeah. Which is in. But I, what I did think, and this is probably, and I don't know why, but I think this is the first time I've ever thought this, that not only is Marty seeing his mum, he's seeing his uncles, his aunties, and his nan and granddad all, all young. But he only seems to freak out at his mum. <laughs> yeah, like, there's, the rest of them he's not bothered by. No, and, you know, he talks quite comfortably to what, is clearly his uncle. I mean, I, I, I would just be freaking out at all of them. I'd be like, oh my god, there's my nan when she's young. There's my granddad, my auntie. You know, it would just be an overload of emotion. But the only one he seems freaked out by is his actual mother. Yeah, and even with his granddad, he's quite just sort of like, oh, thanks, okay, bye. And then the mum yeah. is like, oh. I mean, to be fair, maybe it's because the mum is is basically trying to touch him yeah. inappropriately. Yeah, she's trying to molest him, which would freak <laughs> anyone out. Yeah. Although he does mention later on when Doc points out, are you trying to tell me my mum's got the hot for me? He does act quite shocked. So, <laughs> but surely he must have picked up on it at this point. I think he's, I think maybe he's, he's a bit slow. <laughs> Or maybe just in denial, because it's so horrific, he can't even begin to think about it. But, you know, you just need to take a step back and be like, I'm obviously no one else knows. Yeah. It's still quite freaky. And he does, like, obviously I know it's like, it's just maybe instinct and stuff, but he knows the story of how him and his mum met. Hmm. And obviously it was kind of a thing where it was like, oh, well, it was just sort of, he fell out of the tree and then that was it. Like, she obviously was a bit... Be, she seems to fall quite easily for for men, doesn't she? <laughs> or boys. Yeah. I guess it makes you think, why did she fall for George in the first place when George was George? Because I know that Doc mentions it's the Florence Nightingale effect that she was looking after him, so she fell in love with him like nurses fall in love with their patients. But... He was quite a nerd, and Lorraine struck me as being one of the, you know, quite cool girls. She didn't seem nerdy. Well, Biff, had... Biff fancied her. And also, she loves it when Marty keeps being the hero. Yeah, so she obviously likes that. So I wonder what made... I don't think it's particularly clear what made her fall for George in the first place, but I guess we'll never know that. That's just part of the story, and that's the way it is. So anyway, we've jumped ahead. First of all, we have to see um, Marty go to Doc's house. And after, you know, 
much convincing. He does manage to convince him by showing him the video evidence that he's created a time machine and he needs to get him back to 1985. And he said the only thing that will create 1.21 gigawatts of, of um, electricity is a bolt of lightning. And luckily, yeah, very luckily, luckily, Jennifer, Marty's girlfriend, has written I love you and her grandma's number, because, of course, this was before mobile phones, Holly, when we had to call each other at people's homes. Um, she'd written it on the back of a Save the Clock Tower leaflet, which gives exact details of the time and place that the clock was struck. Very convenient. And and it's very convenient that there's a big old storm on its way. Because <laughs> otherwise, you know, some people will be hanging around for years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he'd have gone just a, just a, a couple of days later, he could have missed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doc realises that something's happened when Marty said he, he bumped into his parents and he shows him a photo of him, his brother and sister, and his brother Dave's head has gone from the picture, and it's because he's starting to be erased from existence. Marty takes Doc um, into the school to show him George and Lorraine. Doc immediately picks up that Lorraine fancies Marty. I mean, he can pick it up in seconds. Yeah. Um, the fact that she keeps calling him a dreamboat is probably a, a big giveaway. She's not subtle, is she? No, she's not. Really not. She's like a dog on heat. <laughs> so, and then they realise that uh, coming up is the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, which uh, previously his mum has told him was where her and George kissed for the first time. So he realises he needs to get George to ask Lorraine to the dance. And this is, again, it's like, you know, when they have lunch and he just sort of says, oh, I know she really likes you. Mm. It's like, it's going to take a little more than that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than you just lying. And again, and I, I do, I kind of understand why, but um, <laughs> Marty sees Biff sort of pouring all over the rain and instead of just leaving it knowing that nothing's happened because he knows she's okay in the future he has to step in and yank Biff off off of his mum which makes her just fall in love with him even more yeah and he keeps doing this yeah or even um, even to be like come on George we need to go and stick up for her yeah, or try and get his dad to do it at least. Yeah, yeah, you know, like maybe if it's just something yeah. where it wasn't that he's the hero all the time. He's quite, uh, Marty's quite a hothead, isn't he? And that's that's kind of touched upon more in the second film, that he does things without thinking. So maybe this is, you know, in a way a lead up to that. But um just before that, we find out that George likes writing, which Marty had no idea that his dad even enjoyed writing. So he found that out, but he doesn't want to um, let anyone read it in case they don't like it. So he has major confidence issues there. Yeah. So he basically runs off George and he says to Marty, not you or anybody else on this planet is going to make me change my mind about asking Lorraine to the dance. 
So Rasi picks up on this, pops on his radiation suit, breaks into George's house at night, um, puts his Walkman on George, plays him a bit of Van Halen, and um, says his Darth Vader is an extraterrestrial from the planet Vulcan. So all fun references. And then the next day, uh, George comes to find Marty to say that he needs to learn how to to ask Lorraine out. So he thinks at this point he's onto something good, doesn't he? Yeah. Cracked it. Yeah. But again, Marty kind of messes this up. So just as George is asking her out, Biff comes in, and instead of just leaving it, Marty trips him up. But. Again, like when George is trying to do this, it's a bit awkward. I'm, yeah, I'm not. Well, she did at one point, though. She seemed to almost fall for it. Because she said, oh. And I don't know if that was a pity. <laughs> yeah, it might have been a pity, oh. But she seemed to think he was quite sweet, which is a start. Well, true. But yeah, then, but, then obviously Marty gets jumps in again. Yeah, and yeah, causes causes mayhem really. Yeah, after he's been told that mm. he if he keeps meddling. Yeah, you know it's really it's a little bit like what what more you know what more can you be told about? <laughs> Marty ends up punching Biff. And I know he gave him quite a whack, but Michael J. Fox is considerably smaller than Tom Wilson, who played Biff. So I'm not sure he would have actually managed to to knock him on the floor. But that's that's beside the point. That doesn't matter. And then Marty makes... uh, I mean, I don't know what these kids are actually going around on. It looks like some kind of cart with wheels but he manages to turn it into a skateboard doesn't he yeah just rips off the sides and then has rips a skateboard. and uh goes round and eventually biff chasing him in the car he goes round and makes biff crash into a manure truck why is well, that there <laughs> you know i've never thought of that but actually why is there a manure truck there like you're in the middle of town why is it just randomly parked up it's just so bizarre (laughs) so marty uh goes to doc's house and finds him um watching the video the bit where they're about to run away from the libyans um but he tells marty absolutely you cannot tell him what happens to him he doesn't want to know his own destiny that it could ruin everything so he doesn't allow him to tell him that he's about to be shot. Which I think is a completely, I think that's completely fair. I don't yeah. think I wouldn't want someone to say, oh, by the way, when you're however old, you're going to die. No. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, isn't it? You just... And then Lorraine shows up and says that she wants to go to the dance with Marty. So then Marty comes up with a new plan, which is... Terrible. Possibly the worst plan I've ever heard of, ever. <laughs> it's a really bad plan that Basically, he goes. Yeah. He, yeah, he goes to explain to George. 
So do you want to talk through what his plan is going to be? Well, his plan is basically to sort of try and um, sort of... He's going to try and take advantage of, <laughs> of Lorraine. Yeah. Because at this stage, Marty believes that Lorraine is a really innocent girl. And that if a, if a boy tried to take advantage of her, she in no way would enjoy that. So he thinks by him doing that and George coming in and saying, hey, you get your damn hands off her, that's going to make her like George. And again, it's like, read the signs. Like, she was all over you like at the, at your, at the house, you know, and you'd only met her about five minutes. <laughs> The fact that you haven't thought this through at all, that you could end up having to kiss your mum. Yeah. It's a bit icky. <laughs> it is. I'm surprised that Doc didn't try and talk him out of this plan, because Doc seems a bit more clued up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder if he even run the plan past him. I don't think so. Sure I... He, would, he wouldn't have gone along with that. No, I think he'd have, he'd have put a stop to it straight away. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. If he'd have spoken to anyone else but George, I think they also would have said, it's a ridiculous <laughs> idea, even without knowing that it was his mum. <laughs> it's quite... Like, at any point, does George actually say that he likes Lorraine? <laughs> he only knows that they're together because it's his mum and dad, because of what happened by him falling out of a tree. But, mm. I mean, it's, it's, he's never, he never seemed to express that he, an interest of liking her. It was just, again, it was just sort of like, oh, no, you need to take her. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. It, it could have changed the point where he went, well, I don't even like her. So. It's not like he was spying on her in the house and then... No. That you know he fell and then her dad's car hit him, and yeah. then they got taken into the house and it was like and and he was really happy about it. Yeah, they just by chance sort of fell up, fell together. So that, just at no point is it just even in, taken into consideration that, or he doesn't even say anything of like even. Oh, I really like her. It's just like oh no, you should have. You should be with her. Yeah, no, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so before Marty goes to the dance, he writes Doc a letter warning him that he will be shot um, on the night that he travels back in time and he puts it in his coat. Yeah. And then we cut to Marty in the car with his mum and he's appalled that she's drinking. And smoking. But yeah, that that she's smoking too. So at, at this point, you would think he would think, God, my plan's really bad because obviously my mum is nothing like what she, she pretended she yeah. was. And also, it's good because he says something about her drinking, and he said maybe you shouldn't drink so much, or you yeah. might regret it in later life, doesn't he? Yeah, because obviously yeah. his mum is like pounding back the vodka. Yeah, she's a bit of an old lush later on, isn't she? <laughs> Um, so he gets really nervous and says, you know, have you ever had to go through with something that you didn't want to do? And then she just seduces him there and then and says, don't worry about it and lunges on him. 
But then I guess this bit's good because this kind of kills any attraction she's got for him because it's her that pulls away and says, I feel like I'm kissing my brother. I mean, which is lucky that she did that. Very lucky that that happened. Could have been another very different film if (laughs) it didn't end there. Yeah, so as I said to you the other day, this was the reason that Disney passed up on this film, because it was a little bit... Mm. There was there was a hint of incest, wasn't there? They're all right with a rabbit and a, uh, <laughs> and a sort of human tune, but they're not happy with this. This was 1985. By 1988, they were well up for it with <laughs> Jessica Rabbit. This has been three years later. Disney would have been all over this. <laughs> They probably would have said it was too tame, if anything. Exactly. After she's repelled by Marty, which obviously is a relief to him. And us. And us, yeah. Uh, Biff drags Marty out of the car. Um, His friends drag him away and chuck him in the back of the band's car that are playing at the dance. And Biff is... Very inappropriately groping Lorraine. <laughs> Awful. To the point where he probably should have gone to prison. It went, it went beyond being a schoolboy bully, really, what he was doing. I mean, these days that would have been classed as rape. Pretty much, yeah. And obviously, George, completely unaware that it isn't Marty, turns up, says his lines, hey, you, get your damn hands off her. And when he sees it's Biff, you can see he's. His heart sinks, doesn't it? He just thinks, oh, my God, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Just, you know, open your eyes. It's like he's walking up to the car and he's sort of slowly walking up and then he opens the door and then he just says his stupid line. And it's a bit like, just look, you can see what's going on. Well, he thought he was Marty. Well, he thought that was acceptable, did he? That he thought that... I mean, even then I'd be like, this has gone too far. I thought it was just going to be a bit of a... I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Biff gets out the car, uh, grabs George at one point, and then Lorraine tries to get George off of... uh, Sorry, Biff off of George, and he pushes her to the floor and he's laughing, and I think it's that point that something in George just snaps, that he sees, you know, a girl's fighting for him, he's laughing about it, and he's just had enough, hasn't he? Yeah. And he turns around, and every single piece of anger that he's ever had in his life comes out, and he manages to knock Biff out in one punch. Yeah. Uh, which I could believe, actually, unlike Marty in the diner, I could believe that actually after years of being bullied by someone, you would have that much anger towards them that you probably could do that. Especially when we saw his quaking hand. Yes. Um, Marty, in the meantime, has managed to get out of the boot of the car and witnesses this, and he's really pleased because he sees his dad's punch biff. He doesn't see anything wrong in that. He thinks, brilliant, it's all going to plan. Yeah. But getting Marty out the car, the guitar player has cut his hand, which means that Marty has to get on stage and um, play guitar with the band. Which is very fortunate that he, obviously, that he's good at guitar. But this is my second favourite scene in the film. This is um, where Earth Angel is playing and you see them, the picture 
is slowly disappearing. They're disappearing. Marty, his hand starts to disappear. <laughs> oh, it's just it's just drama. Literally, this thing gives me goosebumps each time I watch it. And then George, he does the right thing, doesn't he? Someone cuts in and takes Lorraine away from him. But no, he comes back, kisses Lorraine. Marty gets up. He can play guitar. All of the, the, the siblings are back on the photo. But, but Carla, in this scene, can I just say, it's like he's just hit Biff, you know, like the biggest bully. He goes in and they're having their dance. Someone goes, can I cut in? And at that point, what you wouldn't just go, no, go away. We're having a dance. Again, I think the other guy's being quite inappropriate, isn't he? A bit, you know, a bit hands-on. Yeah, I mean, this this school was full of very uh, questionable men, I would say, or boys. And he just continues to stand there all pathetic. It's a great scene. It's a perfect scene. It's one of the, the best films in cinematic history. I'm going to go that far. I have never ever watched it and not at least got tears in my eyes, if not wept. I, I just found it. I thought, for goodness sake, it just highlights who you really are. Well, that is who he is, but Marty changes him, doesn't he? That's, well, not that's for the... long. <laughs> he realises that actually, yes, he can do this. He can stand up for himself, and it's a little reminder to himself. And uh, well, Because, because just... three seconds earlier wasn't enough of a reminder for him. Ah... <laughs> oh you um, so then we get an- oh, another great scene another wonderful scene where he plays Johnny Be Good oh yeah that was really good and of course the, the joke of that was that Marvin is Chuck Berry's cousin and says you know that new sound you've been looking for listen to this so that's Marty invented rock and roll rather than Chuck Berry at that point that was the reference there I thought that scene was very, very good, and I really enjoyed it until he went too far at the end and ruined it. Well, that's the funny part, because that's him bringing, you know, this was the height of the 80s, remember? This was big hair, rock, guitars. That's what it was all about at that point. So that's why it's funny, because he says, you you guys aren't ready for this yet, but your kids are going to love it, which is true, because he loves it. He knows the kids are going to love it. Okay. I can see you're not going to agree with me on that. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. So that's all well. He says goodbye to uh, George and Lorraine. She says, Marty, what a nice name, as he's walking off. Which, the only other question I have on this is, why didn't they call Dave Marty? Because he was born first. So if she really likes the name Marty after being inspired by Marty, why did she wait to her third child? Yeah, that's a fair point, actually. And this has been discussed to death on um, online forums and all sorts of things. But I still think when Marty is the age he is now, that George and Lorraine would think, isn't that weird that he looks like that kid that we went to school with? Yeah, called Marty. Yeah. But remember, he only came into our lives for like a day and then he went, didn't he? Yeah, but I, you know, people have, that's the argument people have said that he was only there for, you know, about a week, I think it was supposed to be that he was there. But I remember 
kid from school. I remember 30 years ago. I certainly remember, if I was George, I'd certainly remember him because he changed his life. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I... Yes, he he was only there a really short space of time, but in that short space of time, he really did completely change everything that happened, really, for them. Like, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, remember that person who I actually was on a date with, and then this, this, and this happened? Yeah, because now the story of when they met is, oh, I was on a date with Marty, a.k.a. Kelvin Klein, then I then I nearly got abused by Biff, and then your dad saved me. Yeah, and oh, he happens to look like you, Marty. Yeah, so strange. So you know, I just thought that that it's never, and I, I know you can't explain it. It's just one of those things. But I don't. I think you. Yeah, that's very odd. Yeah. So okay, so we're at the clock tower. Doc finds the letter and tears it up. He doesn't want to know what's going to happen to him, so Marty tries to yell it at him. And again, it's like, you I know you want to tell him, but he's told you he doesn't want to know, so just leave it. Like, so I, I would try it. To, wouldn't you try to warn him if he was being shot? It's not like he's trying to tell him you die of cancer. He's, trying to, he's telling him something he can prevent. I just think after that point, again, it's like you know that you you nearly disappeared because yeah. of your meddling. So yeah. you don't know what the implications are going to be if you tell him. I think I think I would have told him, but I think I wouldn't have waited till he was on the clock tower <laughs> during a thunderstorm and yelled it. I probably just would have yelled it in his face when we were sitting indoors one evening. So after much kerfuffle, he does manage to um, connect the lightning cables and everything else. And Marty, it works. Marty heads back to 1985. He crashes into uh, cinema. Not that that's of any relevance, really. But he decides to go back 10 minutes early to stop the Libyans. Which seems to be cutting it quite fine. Yeah. I probably would have gone back a little earlier than 10 minutes. Yeah. At least an hour. I mean, maybe not an hour, but maybe half an hour. I would have gone back to before he knew he was going to be there himself and said, I'm going to turn up in a minute, but this is going to happen. Yeah. Maybe you could have done that. Yeah. Um, but because the car won't start, oh, actually, that is the relevance of why he's crashing into it because it means the car doesn't start properly. Um, he has to run to Twin Pines Mall, which is now Lone Pine Mall, but it's too late. He watches it all unfold and sees Biff get shot, sees himself fly into the future. Not Biff. Sorry, Biff, Doc. I do apologise. I'm, I'm glad you're keeping up, though. He sees Doc get shot. He sees himself go into the future. Uh, the Libyans crash into, I think it's like a photo kiosk, isn't it? Isn't it like one of those Kodak types? Yeah, it did look like that. <clears throat> I think so. So they they get a sticky end, which I guess is good. And he just runs over and sits next to Doc and cries next to his dead body. <laughs> But then, oh, just when you think it's over, <laughs> uh, 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 Doc sits up and he's wearing a bulletproof vest and shows the letter from 1955, sellotaped together, 
and he did take note after all. I my only thought is, what if he'd been shot in the face? <laughs> this is exactly what I think. Like, firstly, it's I mean impeccable shooting from the Libyans that they only got his chest area. Yeah, he could have been shot in the legs in the arms which could have caused internal damage and he could have bled out because it's one fifteen in the morning no phones around not in those days so you could have he could have been shot on the leg and how would they have got anywhere yep. so he could have i mean that would have been more horrific than just being shot in the heart because Marty in, in the letter didn't say you'll be shot in the chest there. He just said you'll be yeah. shot. And then he could have easily just been shot in the head. So <clears throat> yeah. it's cocky of him to just assume that he's going to only be shot in the chest area. It's it's a huge risk. I just think I might have, like, changed plans. <laughs> yeah, I might not have been there at that point. Yeah maybe gone to the Libyans and tried to stop them from even turning up in the first place, something like or that. Or even put, you know, stingers out so they couldn't get in with the car. I don't know, something, just anything. Maybe I'd have just had a gun myself, a big gun, yeah. and shot them back. Yeah, that could have worked. Um, and in America, I mean, you could... Pop to Walmart and got one. He could have done, very I mean, he was in a mall. Yeah. So he he takes Marty back. He manages to get the the car going. He takes Marty back to his house. Marty uh, says goodbye. Doc says he's going to go into the future this time. He's going to go to 2015. Um, Marty asks him to look him up when he gets there. Says he'll be about 47. And Marty goes to bed for the night and has sleep. Yeah. He sort of, again, he wakes up, doesn't he, as, as being a bit like, oh, where am I? Yeah, another where am I moment. <laughs> um, he's very dazed. He goes downstairs and the house, obviously it looks dated now, but at the time it was very modern, decorated house. Um, nothing like the old-fashioned house that, that he'd left. He's brother and sister. His sister has now got men calling for her all the time when she was struggling to get a boyfriend before. Dave, who uh, appeared to work, I don't know what kind of uniform he was wearing, like a Burger King or something like that uniform, is now in a suit. Yeah, he's got a proper job. Yes, he's got an office job. Not that Burger King isn't a proper job, but this is a an office job. So he's very surprised by all that. And then, oh, my God, even more surprising, George and Lorraine walk in, looking fabulous. They really do. They really do. George is even a bit cheeky. He sort of pats Lorraine on the bum <laughs> as she's walking away. Marty, again, he's acting as if, oh, my God, he's not keeping it to himself, is he? He's shocked. <laughs> yeah. And they're not picking up on the fact that he's incredibly shocked either. And then he says something about the car, doesn't he? That he's ruined, they've ruined it or something. Yeah. And then they, when they all run outside and Biff's cleaning the car. And George becomes a bit of a... So Biff is now the quivering wreck and George is, well, I don't want to say bully, that's a bit harsh, but he's, he's quite stern with Biff, isn't he, at this point? Yeah. 
And then he says, oh, Biff, what a character. If it wasn't for him, we would never have met. Yeah. And Biff runs in, calling him uh, Mr. McFly, which I thought was a bit over the top. Yeah, like, wouldn't it have just been nice if he, you know, he was cleaning the car and then they were just like, oh, good to see you, George. How are you? You know, like, fancy a beer later. Wouldn't that have been nicer than it trying to be like George being like, oh, you better not be, you know, shortchanging me. Like, you know, (laughs) act like I'm the important one. I just think it would have been nicer if it was on a bit more of an even footing. They were a bit more friendly, yeah. perhaps. They all they all learnt a lesson and they all moved yeah. on. But yeah, he, he runs in. Oh, Mister McFly, your your book's here, and then we see that George has had a book published. Yeah, and it it, it appears to be the book that he was writing. The um, Marty saw him writing in the canteen in 1955, and he quotes Marty back and says, "If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything." So again, he's quoting something that Marty quoted to him, but he still doesn't remember him. And again, I can imagine that he probably would be talking about the alien he might have seen. Yes. Which again, all fitted around the time that Marty was there. Yeah, everything is around Marty. It kind of would have been better and more explained if Marty just let them think his name was Calvin. Yeah. And then there might not have been an association as much. And then if they said something, you know, if they were like, oh, remember that that guy, Mark? We need to thank that guy, Calvin. Yeah. Or or if they said something like, oh, you know, someone walks in and, you know, Lorraine's or not Lorraine or the daughter's got a dress on and then she goes, I got it from Calvin Klein. And then they'd say, we used to know a Calvin Klein. Yeah, that, that would have been really good. Yeah, and probably... Funny. It, yeah, it would have been good. If only they'd have got you writing on the script. It could have been born at the time. Well, maybe when I invent time travel, I'll go back and write it in. You would write a hoot of a script. I just know it. So Marty is outside. He's got his dream car, hasn't he? He's got the Jeep that he saw at the beginning of the film. That Which he, he wants. is parked very strangely. In the garage. I don't know if you noticed. I didn't notice. Please tell me. The car is parked diagonal in the garage to the point where I did say to Adam, to get that out is going to be a bloody nightmare. (laughs) I don't know how they got it in. I don't know how they're going to get it out. Oh, God. But Lorraine's also changed. She's all excited about Marty going out and spending the weekend with his girlfriend, which, considering he's 17, even liberal Lorraine, you think she would have been a bit like, oh, you know. Gone the other way, hasn't she? She's a little bit too liberal, I think. Yeah. You know, because he's still under 18, let's not forget. And presumably so is Jennifer. Uh, yeah, I would have thought so. Doc flies back in the DeLorean. We see here the DeLorean appear behind them, and says, you've got to come back to the future with me. He's filling up the car with with uh, rubbish, garbage. Which, if you're which I think is very funny, that. He says, it's your kids, Marty. Something's got to be done about your kids, which is a brilliant line. And actually, when they first released this film, there wasn't intended to be a sequel at all. It was just going to end like that, just with a little joke. 
And it was only when the film went absolutely mad that they decided they would write a sequel which would follow on from what Doc had just said. But that was purely just for a joke, the end of it. Little do they know, they went on to do a third. Yeah, yeah, they did three of them. And again, this is a great line. Marty says, oh, you better back up. You're not going to have enough road to get up to 88 miles per hour. And Doc says... Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. The DeLorean takes off, it can fly, and the credits roll. Perfect. Perfect film. <laughs> do you wanna do you, you wanna do the shout outs? Have you had enough of the film no, now? Sorry, no, I didn't know if you wanted to go to the shout outs, that's all. I will do the shout-outs, absolutely. Should we do the shout-outs before we get your verdict on yeah, it? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. We've had quite a few. The Twitter shout-outs first, because we're now getting them via Instagram as well, which is quite exciting. So we'll do the Twitter ones first. At Liam WW said heavy, which of course is a word that um, it probably doesn't translate so well nowadays because people don't use that but in the 80s people used to say things were heavy a lot probably like if you went back now and said everything was sick yeah because I still can't get my head around that when younger people at work go oh it's sick and I'm just like such a ridiculous expression yeah I, I wouldn't say it no but I probably would have done if I'd have been their age now at Movie Geekcast says, my favourite movie of all time, a perfect 10 out of 10 film, and I also miss the theme park ride as well. Oh. So, sure, that's, sure that's not you. <laughs> just me under a different yeah. name? Basically, all of these are just you under different names. <laughs> so they, they're real life people. <laughs> that was um, So I Married a Movie Geek podcast, who you should go and check out. Um, at Real Pigeon said brilliant from finish to start. Do you like what he's done there? <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it just straight away, but yes, I do. It's good, isn't it? It is. I like that. At Lemon Spade said don't think I'll ever tire of this film. At Spielberg Pod said a perfect script, not a wasted line, and legendary performance from all the leads. It was the film that started my movie obsession. So gushing yeah. from yeah. Spielberg Paul, who also do Easy Rider Raging podcasts. So both of those are well worth checking out. And then uh, our last one from Twitter is at Largo6583, five gigawatts of pure joy. Wonderful. So we have a couple on Instagram too. At American Movie Podcast said very cool. At it's Luke P B said cool. Not many words said on Instagram. <laughs> and only mildly tainted by your friend at Lyle one nine eight eight nine who said never seen it. So I hope you're going to rectify that because he does listen to the podcast. So he really needs to watch the film before listening. He does. Or he should definitely watch it after. I mean, if this hasn't enticed him, <laughs> I don't know what will. 
obviously I'm massively biased towards this film. This is like you with Harry Potter. What were your views on it? I thought it was a good film. You know, it's it doesn't feel that you know how I feel about old old films. I don't really like them. Um but yeah, I thought this was good. I mean, there were some bits which I found a bit silly and like I found George very annoying. I didn't I couldn't gel with him. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, I thought it was a very good film. I'm glad you liked it. Do you do you see why it gets so much praise? Um yeah, I think it's a just quite an easy watch. It's it's a bit fun, isn't it? I guess it's nostalgic if you if you were around in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why. I bet you're shocked, aren't you, that I I said that. I I think even you wouldn't have dared to have come on too heavy in this one. You've been warning me for a while. Not not for offending me, because you couldn't give two hoots about that, but for you may have lost us our listenership. <laughs> no, I was I thought it was a good film. Good. And not that I'm going to make you, but would you ever watch the sequels, do you think? I probably wouldn't watch the third one. I would imagine by the, by the time the third one rolled around, it was getting a bit silly. I must admit, I'm not a huge fan of the third one. It's, it's the one that I watched least of all. Um, the second one is actually very good, but um, yeah, nothing comes close to the first one. But the third, I wasn't a huge fan of, if I'm being honest. I think it, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think the second one I might watch because it'd be interesting. They go to the future, do they? They do, yeah. yeah. That might be quite interesting to see. So, yeah, that's a lot of fun, seeing them in the future. And uh, if you get the chance to see it, it's, you know, I, I, would, I would say watch it. And, yeah, let me know what you think. I will. When you have seen it. And you can be as rude as you like because we're not going to record that <laughs> yeah. one. You can really tell me what you think, and uh, no one will be any the wiser. Unless you decide to to blast it on Twitter. <laughs> if we ever have a falling out, I will just I will just play all of the outtakes <laughs> onto Instagram, and someone will comment, "Cool," <laughs> or follow my feed. <laughs> I've never because I'm, I'm fairly new to Instagram I set it up purely to do this really but there are so many people on there that they just they just comment want more followers follow me and I'm like oh that sounds legit does anyone call for that probably it just seems ridiculous who's going to listen to these idiots <laughs> and why do you need more followers I, I mean we need followers for the podcast don't get me wrong I'm pleased when we get followers because we're promoting something but my personal Instagram or Twitter, I, I couldn't care less how many followers I have. As long as I've got my friends following me. Oh, no, and people, people, get, like. people get very, it's like a bit of an addiction. It's quite narcissistic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. If it's not to do with a podcast or to do with my 80s site, Awesome 80s Childhood, if anyone wants to look that up, I find it weird when I get new followers, if I'm being honest. I mean, I like it. 
you know what is weird on Instagram is that your boyfriend follows me and you don't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, I don't have a boyfriend. Beyonce. Um, and I will follow you. That's fine. I don't. I don't need it. I don't <laughs> need it in my life to make me feel good about myself. Oh, no. That's why you're bringing it up. I'm just <laughs> saying, if your sister and your fiance can follow me, the least I can do. Just give me a like every now and then. <laughs> so, is there anything you would like to add to this show? It's quite a long one. We've been talking. For, this is going to have to be heavily edited down because I'm looking at recording time. It says two hours. <laughs> Um, no, nothing else to say from me. Okay. Anything from you? There's nothing else from me. I'm just frantically thinking how long this is going to take me to edit. Days. <laughs> but it's your favourite, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I will enjoy it. So if you would um, like to get in touch with us, we're always happy to hear from you. And we do like you following our um, podcast. We are on at theme park films on twitter we are on at theme park films podcast on instagram or you can email us theme park films at hotmail.com thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time bye